before each sermon that we have in Revelation, yeah, before we, before each sermon in Revelation, indeed today, we pray this prayer, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. We pray this together because we are the... We are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. And this is a reminder to us that even through Revelation, because Revelation can get odd. Those who've read it can say amen to that. It can get odd. And yet at times we want to make sure that we are recognizing that all glory goes to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. That as he was in the beginning, he is now and will be forever and ever. Amen. So even during this time, the God that we worship is the God of end times as well. And we can do that. So will you guys pray this with me and then I'll read the scripture that we have for today. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Blessed are the readers hearers and keepers of this word. Revelation 10, 1 through 7. Then I saw a mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on land, and called out with a loud voice like a roaring lion, When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders sounded, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. And the angel whom I I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven, and what is in it, and earth, and what is in it, and the sea, and what is in it, that there would be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet's call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. You guys may be seated. Also, a reminder about Revelation, this Revelation, we, we kind of titled the, the sermon series, this is a, a letter. This is a letter written from Jesus, about Jesus, to churches in crisis. And we decided to preach Revelation prior to, prior to COVID, praise be to Jesus, because I don't know if I would have chosen it like during COVID, but we decided to preach it. During uh, before COVID, and I'm so grateful for it because today, in this section of Scripture, we find ourselves in the middle of an apocalyptic and catastrophic events of the last time of Earth. And I feel like because of the events of this last year, we have a new idea of what this could mean or could look like, or how none of us were like, "Yeah, that's going to happen," and and we we can't do that. So we walk into this wonderful and horrible scene in in revelation we see so much imagery and the graphic details that it's really hard to keep track of all the graphic details that are in these chapters 8 9 10 11 and 12 up to 14 we see destruction of truly biblical proportions as well as worship 
and they're intermixed. They go from, they ebb and flow through the whole thing. And we see God offering opportunities to people and people turning their backs on God when they know that he is God. He has shown that he is God and they still say, nah, we don't want him. We learn that there are some people that chase idols who don't see, idols who don't speak, they don't hear, they don't act. They choose them over a real God who can actually rescue them, who could actually save them if they just called on his name and they refused to do it. Today, in this scripture, we see a mighty angel. I love that it's a mighty angel. It's not just a normal one. It's a mighty angel. And he is coming down from heaven. If you close your eyes and just picture this. He's coming down from heaven. He's wrapped in a cloud. With a rainbow over his head and his face was like the sun. His legs were like pillars of fire. One of those legs was on the sea, the other on land. land, And he had a, a loud voice that can call out thunder. That is a graphic image that we have. First thing I'd like to say is that I don't think we've really talked about angels, and yet angels are all throughout the book of Revelation. And so I kind of wanted to spend a little bit of time, since this is a mighty angel, like talking about angels because and, and, and angelic beings, because there is a supernatural realm that is very real and it's around us. And even though we can't see it most of the time, I guess there, there are some people from time to time who get glimpses of heavenly things and heavenly realms. But angels, that they come from heaven and they serve the king of heaven. And we've already seen the throne. That is God and his lamb are on the lamb who's slain, who's Jesus, is on the throne. And they serve this king of heaven to do his purposes. Angels appear to us all throughout Scripture, and they, they are protectors, they are messengers, they are guardians, they are servants, they are worshipers, they are warriors, and angels appear to us in this, in this way. And I believe God can and does use them, that, that, that he uses them to bring about miracles that are unexplainable at times. I believe angels can be in our dreams and watch over our dreams. And even if we're having night terrors, they can come in and, and shift us away from those. And they can, they can do these things. And, and every now and again, I believe the angels appear to us in human form, maybe without us recognizing that they're angels, without, uh, without us being aware of it. And this is one reason why I pray every night for my family. God, will you please put angels around them to watch over them? Will you please build a hedge of protection around them? God, will you use them to build a hedge of protection so that my family won't be attacked, that my family will be able to sleep well, and we can pray this over and over. Scripture says that Jesus, for a time, was made a little lower than the angels, but now Jesus is crowned in glory. So, us being human like Jesus, we are a little lower than angels for now. But scripture also says that we are to judge the angels. The angels have power and angels have abilities that we do not. But we also 
uh, angels long to understand salvation, whereas we understand salvation can come through Jesus Christ. And they can't get, they can't figure out that, and we can. God, the other thing is, God has a lot of angels, a lot of angels. He can call down, you know, myriads on myriads. And, 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 you know, there's times in the Bible where it says 10,000, twice 10,000. That was last week. And then some. And if we saw them not in human form, more than likely we would tremble and shake in our boots. We would be uh, afraid of them. Even, like, even good angels, we'd be afraid of them. When they are seen in Scripture, those who see them typically bow down. And the angels are quick to say to that person, don't bow to me. Don't bow to me. They understand who it is that we are to worship and serve. And it's not them. It's not them. I also believe, I believe in these angels, but I also believe there are fallen angels or demons. Angels who, instead of serving God, they serve fear, death, decay, destruction. They are serving Satan, and all he wants to do is kill, steal, and destroy all that is actually good from us and take our lives from us. Demons, too, are real, and they, too, are scary as well. That is what they're trying to be. They're trying to scare us. They're trying to use fear as a motivator to move us away from Christ, to get us to think that God's not real. And get us to worship something other than God. They don't even care if they're being worshipped. They, something other than God. They don't want good for us. And there are lots of them as well. But there's not as many as God has at his command. And I believe oftentimes demons do this thing where they get us to believe lies. They get us to believe lies. And at times they use just a shred of truth, but they're trying to destroy everything that God has built up in us and is building up in us. And when we resist sin and we resist temptation, we are resisting what demons want to use to destroy us. And we are actually living into what God has for us. Demons are, they're they're cunning and they're wily. Sometimes they're not just going to come out and go, boom. You know, they're not going to scare you like that. They're, they're going to be sneaky and they're going to sneak around and try tactics um, that are going to get to you and get under your skin. Their tactics can change and their advances can change over time. And, and, and whatever they have, they do it to deceive us, to take us away from the truth. To, to distract us from what God is doing. And I, I would encourage, you can read C.S. Lewis's short screw tape letters. I don't think it's necessarily biblical, but it's a good imagination. It's a good imagination account of how demons often work. And what they, what they do and how they work is not limited to C.S. Lewis's imagination. But it might help us think outside the box a little bit. But I will say this about angels and demons. I pray that we may recognize them as real. And I pray that we acknowledge their existence. But I also pray that they'll never distract us from following Jesus. Even the mighty angel with one foot in the sea and one foot on land, with a voice that can call down thunder, that he won't distract us from worshiping Jesus. Because there is not a demon behind every bush ready to catch us if we commit sins. 
In, in my years of church, I've seen far too many people make either too big or too little a deal out of demons and angels, particularly demons. They think that a demon is behind everything. And certainly they've set into motion, sin has been set into motion. But we, should, we have this about the realm of the supernatural, also from John, who wrote the book of Revelation. And it's a great summation of how we, should, how we get to feel about angels and demons. 1 John 4, 1 through 6 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have come into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God, that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, and this Antichrist is what wants to destroy earth, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, this is us, we're all little children. You are from God, and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God, listen, God, whoever knows God, listen to us. Whoever is not of God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. My entire life, I would say. Certainly my marriage, my family, this church is built on the firm belief that greater is he who lives in us than he who lives in this world. We set our fears down at the foot of Jesus and we try to follow Jesus with all of our life. We listen to the Holy Spirit and pay attention to what's actually going in on in our life and in our world. The whole of Revelation is trying to get us to see that the power and might of our King who sits on the throne and to the Lamb who was slain, that being Jesus, that our God is great in power, greater than any other power that has ever existed. He will not be, has not been, and will not be defeated. He alone defeated Satan and all his cronies. He defeated all sin and all its effects and gives us afterlife because of this. And he also destroyed death and its sting. Jesus, Jesus did this all. Jesus did all this and more on the cross. He did this for you. He did this for me. He did this for us so that we can gather together and stand and worship Jesus together. And I believe as we believe in Jesus in our heart and confess with our mouths that he is Lord, that this is who is in us. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We have no need for fear. We have need for prayer. Amen. We have need to, to pay attention to what God's doing, to listen and discern the spirits. We have a need for grace because we don't do it perfectly. We have a need for forgiveness. And we have a need for strength to keep moving forward as we walk with him. John gets ready to tell us what happens with this angel. And then, I love this, Jesus stops him. 
We were about to have written down for all eternity some little bit of what this angel says and does. But Jesus, in his infinite wisdom and his grace, doesn't let John, who is the scribe of this letter, write down what this angel does. I don't know why. And that's the beautiful thing about it. No one does. If someone tells you they do, they do. Uh, Google their reviews or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> we have to remember that during these last times, during these last times, and by the way, we live in the last times. I don't know if we live in the last times like this, but we live in the last times that we need to make an allowance for mystery. We need to make an allowance for mystery. We cannot know for certain what all these signs and these symbols mean in Revelation. And in my opinion, we should be wary of those who know exact dates when Jesus is coming back. Or even exact interpretations of what every single one of these words means. If someone knows what it means to be wrapped in a cloud, praise be to God. That is fantastic. But I don't know for certain if that person's going to be right. We'd be wise to remind ourselves that it was those who knew exactly how the Messiah would come back that put Jesus to death. We can remind ourselves that a little later in the Bible, many of those who put Jesus to death actually repented and became followers of Jesus. They killed him and then they followed him. And there is a great mystery as well. That God would allow those, those to follow him that once put him to death, that once put him on a cross, that once stood in a crowd and yelled crucify him, that God would forgive them all of their sins, including the death of Christ. John, instead of revealing to us what, what it says, he's obedient and he seals it up. He doesn't allow us to see what this angel is doing. And I believe we enter into very honest and very holy ground when this happens. We enter into mystery. There's so much in this life, this life of Christ that we're trying to live, that we simply cannot know. We need to come to terms with our limits and the reality of our limits. We cannot know everything. And by the way, Siri does not contain all the wisdom and knowledge in this world or Alexa, right? You can ask them questions all day. Even the great and mighty internet. I mean, they're going to probably set up a god to the internet one day, like an idol to the internet. Because they think the internet knows everything. It cannot tell us all the things that we want to know. A lot of the big questions, both personal and philosophical, will not be answered this side of eternity, period. And that is hard for us to imagine because we love to know. We love to know. There's, sim there's so much that simply won't and can't make sense to our limited mind. Our limited mind. And yes, even the great thinkers through our age, even the brains bigger than yours and mine, they have limited minds as well. And I think it's sad, I, I literally think it's sad when we do away with mystery. When we come up with all the answers, or when we settle in our hearts that we have a need for all the answers, instead of learning to embrace a bit more of this mystery than we might be comfortable with. When I was studying for this sermon, and I generally read Wendell Berry during the week, and he's not a part of my sermon prep, 
but he's one of my favorite authors, and he has a, a line that says something along, this is a Scott Mitchell translation of Wendell Berry for you. It says, the failure of organized religion is that it cuts themselves off from mystery. That in cutting off mystery, we seek absolute control. We are not bigger than God. And we get to see this. We cannot make ourselves know what he knows. It would not be fitting because we are not the, as John puts it, the ones who created heaven and what is in it. We are not the ones who created the earth and what is in it. We are not the ones who created the sea and what is in it. He alone is in control and we therefore cannot be. If we have all the answers, then you know what we don't need? A God that's bigger than us. If we're, we are given the mystery of salvation, and yet there are a lot of other questions that don't have answers. This requires us to live into the unknown and the unknowable, unknowableness, that's not a real word, but the unknowableness of faith. Faith is being certain of what is unseen. Or let me put it this way. Faith is being certain of what is unknowable. Faith is unseen without all faith is unseen and without all the answers to all of our questions and faith also attempts to live within its restraints. It acknowledges its inability to know everything. We are given limits to protect us just like any good father does with their child. We get to learn to live within this even if we don't like it. This is not a knock on my mom. My mom's here today. She didn't raise me this way, but the church I grew up in did. They taught me that I have to have or find all the answers for people that have questions. If you have a question about Jesus, I'll get the answer for you. We are taught to have all the answers. That the Bible doesn't um, really contain that much mystery. Or there's not many areas that we can't know well. And if we study hard enough, if we know enough Greek or Hebrew, then we can maybe decipher any riddle that life will throw our way. And I was taught that the Bible was, was the place for all of life's true questions. And I'll be honest with you. I no longer believe this. I think it has answers because it has Jesus as the answer. But as I read through scripture, it's a mysterious thing. I wish that I was instead, I was taught instead of needing all the answers to all my questions, I wish I was taught to live by faith. And I think that's what this scripture is trying to teach us. To live within the limits that are literally imposed on us by our finite minds. We, should be, we shouldn't be know-it-alls and haven't figured it all out. There are far too many answers out there to help us figure out all of them. There are too, far too, sorry, far too few answers out there to help us figure out all of life's mysteries. And, and by the way, I do believe the Bible is beautiful. I believe it's God's word spoken to us. But I believe that it contains a lot of mystery that is really hard to figure out. And we get to, in that, approach it with humility. Grace and mercy, as I was praying for us this week and I was thinking through this, I'd love for us to live with the humility that is honest 
in a world full of unknowns where we can be comfortable with what we don't know and still trust Jesus. That we can be comfortable in, in the fact that we don't know everything, we don't have everything together, and yet at the same time, we know that Jesus is enough. Even if we don't know how he's enough, we can still say, Jesus, you died for my sins. I believe that. As I've grown in faith, I have far fewer answers than I used to. And yet, there's far more faith. It's more of a blind faith. It's kind of like my actual eyes. It's dimming a little bit. Sometimes it's dark and I I can't see the next step or where Jesus is in my life. And that's when faith comes in. I know that even if I can't see him, I know that he's at work. And I can keep walking with him and seeking him out without having all my questions answered. I've seen the need for answers consume the church and its leaders for years. This is in part because this is in part because we don't want to be lazy. We do want to do the work and seek them out. And I can respect that work ethic. I can respect that quest for knowledge. I think it's awesome. But some has used mystery because some have used mystery as a a, a cop out of of um, not doing the work and not maturing in Christ's likeness. We can't do that either. We can't just go, well, it's all a mystery. I'm just going to la-di-da. No, we get to seek Jesus, to look into him and find out step by step. But the need for our answers has led to some really faulty ideas about God, about who God is. The need for answers and, and getting everything right when grace is not about getting everything right. The need for answers has gotten some people in a lot of trouble about the way they view the Bible. And it's no longer trying to say what God wants it to say. They've got wrong views about Jesus, about heaven and hell. I might have them too, by the way. I'm not just calling out other people. I'm not saying I'm perfect in all I believe. I have faulty views as well. We all do. And some leaders use this to control people with their views of Scripture. Which leads me back to that Wendell Berry quote. We're just seeking control. Control is not ours. It is God's and His alone. And as a leader in a church, I am fine if you don't agree with me. In fact, I would think good for you because you're thinking and you're striving. And yet we can worship together and we can still walk this life out with Christ. I don't want to control your life, not even one bit. I don't want the church to do it. I want the Holy Spirit to lead you. I'd love to stand here and invite you to worship with all my faults as I'm trying to fumble around and follow Jesus in this attempt. And I'd invite you and your fumbling to do the same, that at least we can gather together and worship Jesus because there is far more mystery in this life with Christ than there is answers. And as we allow for mystery, we are allowing God to be God. Not that he needs our permission, by the way. We think that we need to give him that permission. He, he's God. Through faith and mystery, we can learn to live into our reality. Not only our reality, but the reality of who God is. It is not always comfortable not knowing. I know this. I try to live this way, not successfully, and I haven't gotten used to it yet. It still drives me crazy. 
to be, to not know, to live in this like, well, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here. Except I'll say this. It is comforting, comforting knowing that I don't need to know everything because God has everything handled. I love that John was told to seal this one up. Don't share it. it speaks volumes just in the fact that John was told not to write it down. It says that we cannot know all we want to know. We cannot see all that we want to see. We are blinder than we want to be. But we are grateful for the mystery of salvation through Jesus Christ, through his broken body and his shed blood for us. That has been revealed to us. And what has been revealed to us, we will strive to follow Christ with all that we are. So Jesus, I pray that you will put angels around us to protect us. That you will protect us from demons and fallen angels, their lies, their deceit, their destruction. And Lord, you will allow your angels to come in and protect us as your servants. Lord, that as we walk into mystery and we don't have all the answers, that we can know that you are good, that you are our Father, that you love us, that you came to earth, that you died, that you were buried, that you rose again. And Lord, for all that we don't know, I thank you for the freedom of opinions. In Jesus' name, amen.